papermen meet such interesting people. They know the lowdown, now it can be told. I'll tell you quite reliably off the record about some charming people I have known. For I meet politicians and grafters by the score. Killers plain and fancy, it's really quite a bore. Oh, newspapermen meet such interesting people. They wallow in corruption, crime and gore. Ding-a-ling-a-ling, city desk. Pull the press, pull the press. Extra, extra, read all about it. It's a mess meets the test. Oh, newspapermen meet such interesting people. It's wonderful to represent the press. The Media Project is a half hour of commentary and analysis on media issues of the past week. News media issues, that is. We're not going to get into the movies and commercials and that sort of thing. I'm Rex Smith, your host, an ancient and former editor, here with Dr. Alan Shartok. He's also ancient, but he's not former anything. He's uh, <laughs> No, I am. Uh, oh, I'm yeah, that's true. You're former self. Former professor, former this and that. Yeah, that's who I am. Yeah, and still the CEO of Northeast Public Radio. Judy Patrick is here, also a former editor of the Daily Gazette in Schenectady, now vice president of the New York Press Association, and Rosemary Armeo, who's been so many things, investigative journalist, managing editor, yeah. etc., teaching <laughs> at UAlbany. I tell you, the many hats of the many people in this figurative studio. Rex, yes, Rex, sir. I, yes, sir. I, I think we ought to change the name of the show to The Former Show. <laughs> the Formers. Here they are, the Formers, rather than the Projectors. I want to run a quotation past you all and see what you think of it. This comes from a very provocative article in the Columbia Journalism Review written by somebody who is analyzing CNN, but it could have been about any number of media. It talks about how the media sort of supported, in effect, the Donald Trump presidency and how it skewed projections. Let me read you a quotation from Congresswoman Debbie Dingell of Michigan at a House hearing looking into the uh, insurrection of the Capitol January 6th. She said, Media outlets are incentivized to report provocative, reactionary stories. That's what she said. And the fact is that that has the effect of normalizing such behavior, such provocative, reactionary stuff. So tell me if you agree with this, Alan. We'll start with you and what we might be able to do about it. What do you think? I, I absolutely agree with it. I think it's certainly true. And, you know, while WAMC has always been extraordinarily well supported by its audience, we have never seen anything like the kind of money that is coming in and people who were very frightened about Trump and who really have supported this radio station, which we hope gives fair and accurate reporting. But certainly Trump was a major incentive, I think, for people to get behind the radio station. So I think there probably is something to what she's saying. What to do about it? I haven't got the slightest idea. My partner here, Rosemary, who I have such great respect for, will certainly side with me, I am sure, by saying one thing, and that is that we are not going to stop doing the news. It doesn't make any sense at all to not report what we see going on. So, Rosemary, are you going to let Alan speak I do. <laughs> I agree with him. He does speak for me. The solution to this, Alan, is to elect people who are not so extreme and off the wall that they become instant news celebrities. I mean, there's nothing new in what Dingle is saying. Political scientists back after the 2016 election were talking about how the media was projecting the weird Trump tweets that journalists read uh, uh, Twitter way more than the regular populace, and that we then projected it into regular media, and this was a bad thing. 
But again, we said it then, we say it now. Do you ignore extreme tweets from a man who is the president of the United States and then a candidate for the United States president? You can't. That is what news is. So you need two things. Elect better people, which I think we've made a stab at with Biden, at least so far. It looks that way. And second is media literacy, where you realize that, oh, this is not really what's happening. It's just the media covering Trump on Twitter or whoever the extremist is at the time. I don't really want to see us change. And yet Biden gets passed a $1.9 trillion COVID relief package. And, you know, one incendiary moment with Trump and some stupid tweet of his can get more attention than I think even this $1.9 trillion are getting in terms of coverage. That certainly seems to be the case. Judy, what do you think about this? I think Dingle's point was that this is a bad thing because it promotes divisiveness and it doesn't really give the public an accurate representation of going on. I think it depends on the medium, and I also think it shows the value of editors. And when it comes to Twitter and CNN and all the other cable news networks, it's about the amount of coverage they gave to the tweet. I think we've all agreed that you have to cover the tweet, but do you incessantly talk about it to the exclusion of other things? What you'll find when you deal with other kinds of medium like print, they will deal with the tweet, but then they will put it in context. If you spend a lot of time watching cable news, they look for that one moment of angst, and then they just play it up, and they ride that horse until it's dead. And I think that's the problem. It's a degree to which the focus is put on these kinds of things. And yet, at the end of the Trump administration, there were some things that people have espoused that I never thought I would see, which is that, for example, CNN, MSNBC, and some of the cable groups were saying, okay, we're not going to play these lies, or Twitter we're not going to allow this on our Twitter. So I don't know. There there did seem to come a point at the end of Trumpism in which people were saying, no, we're not going to spread these lies and we're not going to use them. There is, I think you're right, Alan, some change in the air, but it came about at the end of the Trump administration when that horse was flagging anyway, you know. But on cable news, opinion has become news. It's become the big thing. And people are focusing, that is, the cable networks focus so much on opinion, in no small part because it's less expensive to produce than actual news coverage, that news itself becomes something of a rolling argument. And you end up with the arguments being what are waged and the sensational elements. Now, you know, this is nothing new in terms of news coverage, as we've said many times. The planes that land and take off safely at Albany Airport, we don't cover the single jet that belly flops becomes a huge story. Naturally, that's what news is. But I do think, as Judy said, there's a matter of degree. There's a matter of saying, are we going to let this overwhelm our coverage or are we going to try to be good editors and good producers and say, we're going to try to put this in an appropriate context. The hard thing is that you know what gets attention. You know what gets people's eyes, what draws people to spend more time on your on your site. And to resist that impulse to go where the audience is, is a very difficult thing, even for the most well-intentioned of journalists. Well, I'm not allowed to tell you where I got this information from, but I can tell you that WAMC, the, the public radio station that I head, is now the number one radio station. We never thought we would see that happen ever, ever, ever. Now, we haven't seen that in your old paper reporting it, but it is astounding that that has happened. And I attribute it in large part to Donald Trump and Rosemary being on our station because she's a provocateur. <laughs> you just 
and she doesn't even bother me. me. Okay, okay, um, guilty. I, aren't you arguing against your own case then? Because WAMC does not just present as Fox does Trump unfiltered. It is critical. It is in context. It does all the things that Judy just said we need to do as media. Um, I, I think that Trump is a remarkable news magnet because what he does is outrageous and he has become so important. How did that happen? It really is talking about democracy and the role of agents like him, or populists like him. It's all important stuff. One of the articles some of us read this week in preparation for the media project was about <laughs> the rise some of, of us. Some of us. The rise of, a shot at me. Some No, no, never. It was about the rise of lawsuits, defamation suits based on opinion pieces, where we used to think as reporters that when you wrote opinion, you were safe. You could say anything you want in political discourse because of the First Amendment. And Trump has has challenged that. His lawyers have gone after a number of media for calling him, for example, a liar. And they went back, and one reporter went back in researching this to Ted Dieden, who was a Cleveland sports writer who wrote a column in which he referred to a coach out there as a liar. And this was way before the Trump years, of course. That case spent 15 years, ended up in the Supreme Court. And basically, he lost. The reporter lost, shocking to us all, because he used that term. And the court made it clear that, no, you have to be really careful. So we, we learned in the past that you you have to treat the liars and the extremists the way you would any other news gatherer or important person in the news. And now we're changing again. The, we keep the rules keep changing. And the media has to go along with that while still doing their job, which is presenting this weirdness that's happening. Does that make any sense? I feel like I'm rambling, but it's clear well, in my head. Well. Well, one thing I would have, one thing I would object to in what you said, not strenuously. I think it's just a matter of interpretation. Believe me, I'm not pleased with uh, Donald Trump. I am pleased with the fact that we are the number one radio station in our entire region. There's got to be a reason for that, and I attribute a lot of that to Trump. I would rather Trump hadn't been here because I think he's one of the greatest dangers to our democracy probably the greatest danger that we have ever, ever seen in this country. And so you're right. I get where you're coming from, because Trump likes to equate high rating for news about him to popularity. People like me, and so they tune in, and you'll be sorry when I'm gone. It's not that. It's terror. It's fear of what he's going to do next. It's not necessarily approval. Agreed. Let me just say, though, that looking toward the future, that is not necessarily a great thing to count upon, because if it is the Trump bump that has fueled the rise of WAMC into such a popular media outlet, listen to this report that comes from an analysis of coverage. It is that halfway through the first 100 days of Joe Biden's administration, Americans are weaning themselves off the news. What is happening, according to an analysis from the analytics company called SimilarWeb, Major media sites saw traffic dip more than 20% from January to February once the Trump administration left. Here's another statistic that's interesting. Three times as many stories were written about Trump in February of 2017 than about Biden four years later. So the Trump bump means if there's triple the amount of coverage of that president compared to this president, what this means is that Americans are turning away from that kind of news And they may well, instead of listening to WAMC, maybe they're tuning into Golden Oldies or Country something or other. What do you do about that, Alan? Do you just say, okay, I'm not going to have as much audience? 
No, you roll with the punches. I mean, if people are listening, they're listening. And if they're not, they're not. You certainly don't try to become, you know, foxish in what you do. You don't want to be sensational. You want to do the good job you think you were doing during these early times. But I don't think there's much you can do about it except say that whatever comes, comes. Yeah, you have an advantage because you're a not-for-profit outlet. Yes. But when you look at commercial media where they live or die by their profit. If you are that 50,000-watt radio station, you're going to air what is popular. Hey, look at the uh, popularity of the Meghan and Harry interview. Hardly important news. Or did I miss something? <laughs> it is important. I love this interview. I think it's way important. And it has far more to do with entertainment value, like the crown. It has to do with racism in the world, the end of colonialism and how we deal with it. I think that two-hour interview showed the saleability and the popularity of long-form broadcast interviews, which is a good thing for our business. I think that Oprah did an amazing job in an interview, which should be lessons for young journalism students and for the public that wants lots of questions asked and answered honestly. I do think that was an important interview. And now, if you were going to ask me which is more important in the past week, the Harry and um, Megan interview or the Times Union front page investigation of possible construction errors and problems with the new Tappan Zee Bridge, that would be hard. I think they're both important and media needs to do both. Our job is varied. Especially if you're good. I think Rosemary is the importance of quality over quantity. I think when you're dealing with a website, for example, at one point we all realized it's not so many hits you get on your website, it's the engagement, how long people are reading the particular story, and that will determine whether or not they will become a subscriber. There's more to the media business than instant eyeballs. You need to have people listen to one radio program and listen to it thoroughly and pay attention, listen to one nightly newscast, visit a website once a day and read the news. I think people are getting away from being glued to their phones and doom scrolling Twitter to see what kind of incredible bad thing has happened now. I think they've gotten away and started to live their lives again. But I think we can get quality news and all of us can benefit from that. I don't think we need to just be chasing stories and audience every second of every day. That's a good point. And the digital world actually makes that more likely that you're going to pursue that quality stuff than cable broadcast. Because just to go to the commercial world, which still controls most of the news media, your commercials on your network newscasts, for example, the cost of those commercials, what the people pay for those, hinges upon how big the audience is in that quarter hour. So if you're losing some audience based upon this not being as provocative, as interesting, that has financial consequences. There is a difference for those of us who have been engaged in subscription-supported media or, in Alan's case, in user-supported media. There's a difference there in people investing for the long term, saying this is something that I want to be in. I think that's a good point, Judy, that you're looking for subscribers and you build that by being long-term credible, not by being short-term sensational. You know, Rex, that was pretty profound, but I have to say, I think a lot has to do with the American psyche here and our temperaments. Right now, we are all watching, not only in New York State, but around the country and maybe the world, we are watching what's happened to Andrew Cuomo. 
once regarded as the, the savior by the liberals at least of our country now is getting it from all sides to the point where any inappropriate move on his part with a woman has become fodder for everybody and his numbers have gone down precipitously i read in one place that he had a poll that was only 38 percent and people can't get enough of it so again cuomo seems to have replaced trump in the american need for that kind of interest does this concern anybody that is are you at all worried that what is driving attention of andrew cuomo's portage involvement in sexual harassment versus the important issues that are still confronting us the coronavirus the financial perils and so on or is it entirely appropriate should we be at all worried about that rosemary uh, it's something that journalists have faced back into the 19th century that's just the case Sex and power are always going to drive more of an audience than environmental protection and uh, climate control and how to administer a massive new social justice program. How Those come? are very important issues because sex is, I mean, what would you read? What What would any of us read? Even, even those of us who love the news, we're still going to read. I still read about the Kardashians for that very same reason. And so what the media has always done and must continue to do is get audience to go and watch and listen to sports and sensational stuff and then slip in the important stuff, the boring but essential stuff. And the real problem is the same one that we talk about over and over again on this program, which is there is not right now a business model that supports that. We can't do one plus do the other. You can't. We don't have enough money to put the bodies and the smarts and all the money it takes a legal power to go after big important stories that's the real issue not whether the audience prefers one over the other we already know what they prefer yes and we do but i asked you a question and i don't think you answered it well <laughs> no. and, and that and that rosemary is restate is, the question and what is it that what is it that sells why does sex sell the way that it does. Are we a repressed society? And do we fundamentally... No, 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 no. This is just basic human nature. I mean, I've looked at investigative stories for 20 years now. And the ones that we talk about, oh, how it can change people and change societies, and it's true. But the ones that normally do that, that have this major, huge viral, what we call viral impact now, are the ones that involve sex and power. In the Philippines, for example, wonderful investigative reporters, some of the best in the world. The story that made a big difference there was about their leader, their president, having a series of mistresses to whom he gifted mansions and cars. In Bosnia, a poor nation, not a big tradition of investigative reporting. What got people there was a prime minister used his power to get an apartment in a swanky part of town that nobody else could get hold of. It's abuses like that of power and if sex is involved. And the number of investigative reports that involve kinky sex is absolutely staggering. And it's because they somehow go together and that's what people are interested in. And we do report on that. But if it gets our eyes on stories like the bolts falling apart on the Tappan Zee Bridge, that's the price we pay. You use one to get eyes on the other stuff. And we used to have the money for it. Big Big uh, metropolitan newspapers had money to do both of it. Now we don't. Now we are making decisions about what to cover and what to ignore. And that's where the problem comes in, I think. That was Rosemary Armeo speaking. Alan Shartog, Judy Patrick is here, and I'm Rex Smith. Just wanting to point out my alma mater, the Times Union, is where 
Managing Editor for Investigations, Brendan Lyons, did that groundbreaking story on the broken bolts in the Mario Cuomo Bridge at Tappan Zee. He did the exclusive reporting on the sixth woman to come forward, alleging that the governor groped her at the mansion. So, you know, a great reporter working ridiculous hours can do it all. Not as much, Rosemary, you're right. We've lost 37,000 journalists just in the past year during the pandemic. And that has an impact, as we always say on this show. But I do want to give credit where it's due that there is serious reporting, good investigative reporting going on, people digging it out, even in newsrooms that have been depleted by the financial peril that's confronting every newsroom as a result of the digital revolution. So just credit where it's due. That great reporter, Brendan Lyons. All right. One of the things that is a part of this that fits in is that it's not just sex, though. I mean, if you look at this, what is going on in the right wing media right now, what everybody is talking about is Dr. Seuss. And what's the other uh, hot story on Fox? Mr. Potato Head. That's right. You know, Dr. Seuss's publisher has take, taken six of his lesser books off distribution. Mr. Potato Head is now just Potato Head. It's non-gendered. And you would think if you watch Tucker Carlson or any of the other uh, talking heads on Fox News, that those are the big issues. They are giving a lot more time to Mr. Potato Head than they are to the $1.9 trillion stimulus bill that arguably will have a, 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 huge, a more great long-lasting impact on American society than anything since the New Deal. It's an astonishing change. I don't know but, how you deal with that. But it, but it all goes to the respect that some have for the intelligence of the American people. What I mean by that is there is so much on that $1. trillion COVID relief package. There's so many things in there that most people will never know what's in that bill. On the other hand, Mr. Potato Head, pretty easy. <laughs> Doesn't it seem like Fox is running on fumes at this point? Because even the most diehard Trump fan that I know, they, they, you know, they might find the Mr. Potato Head and the Dr. Seuss stuff interesting, but not more than an afternoon. And people's attention span is pretty short. I think it speaks to the fact that Fox doesn't have a lot to go on. I understand they're trying to reclaim the mantle of you know the savior of right-wing America, but they don't have a lot to work for them, and they're scrambling. Uh, the Dr. Seuss stuff, not that interesting past the first day. Mr. Potato Head, same thing. It's silly, and I'm a little worried about Fox, to be honest with you. <laughs> That's very generous Wait, you, of you. You sound, like a, you sound like a truck that stopped short. You're a little worried about them. Comma, pause, go ahead. Why are you so worried about them? Because at least in the past, you know, they could get worked up into a lather over, you know, a fairly meaty issue. But I mean, they've gone into these silly cultural issues before, but they haven't stayed that long on it. And I think they didn't want to touch the $1.7 trillion stimulus bill because it's Nine. so popular with a $1.9 trillion because it's so popular and they can't criticize it because they know that it's bad for them. They've got to start mining the political landscape for a little bit more of a juicy topic. But they will. They will. They're going to find, in order to bring this whole thing down, which they obviously will want to do, they're going to find somebody who got the money, who's spending it in an unwise way, unwise with quotes around it, according to them, and they're going to ride that train. But it's going to take a little while before they can get it going, but they will. You know, this bill, as I think Rosemary pointed out, somebody did, is an immensely popular bill in this country. And yet every Republican senator, every Republican congressman voted against it. Amazing. Just amazing. 
and they're going to take the credit for it, and they're going to say, look what I got you and all the rest to their constituents. Nevertheless, what a thing. And Fox will find ways to bring it down. Here is what will be interesting to see is if other media follow the Fox bandwagon. Uh, that is, I, Fox is going to be focusing on two things. The culture wars, that is so-called cancel culture and things like Tato Head and Seuss. And two, immigration. There is a genuine immigration crisis building again at the southern border uh, as the more attractive the United States becomes, as the economy recovers, the more those poor people in Latin America are going to be heading north. And that is going to present Fox an opportunity to showcase this terrible liberal administration that doesn't care about the foreigners that is, the people of color coming to take over this country. That's the storyline, and the question will be, will other media pick up and, if not parrot it, at least give it that amount of coverage? It's probably hard for others to resist at least paying some attention to it, isn't it? What do you think, Rosemary? Uh, yeah, I'm struggling here because this is, we're veering away from media and into um, politics, I think. Uh, but it's clear that Fox has a political agenda, unlike, I think, you know, some of the liberal ones seem to, and certainly the print uh, liberal media covers everything that deserves to be covered, and that will be immigration pro and con, and this new bill pro and con, the, the excesses as well as the successes will be covered there. But Fox really does have a political agenda. I think we've seen that over the years. And so, yeah, they are avoiding it now, and they will swivel to whatever makes Biden look bad and Trump will play up. And that, to me, seems immigration. We talked about this on the roundtable the other day. Uh, there is a crisis here. So do we go blasting Joe Biden now, who, who just got his Homeland Security guy, just got an attorney general? So the media is going to play a role with Biden that it has always done, which is you go after power, you critique them, you point out the good things, and you point out the bad. That is not a problem for the right-wing media. I Fox and that. They are going to just look to criticize. All right. With that, we're going to have to say that we have finished the program. No. That's the end of the, that's the, end of the show. I'm afraid it is. I'm afraid uh, it is. It's all this show ought to be an hour. <laughs> we'll bring people back next week for more. Keep them asking for more, Alan. That's Alan Shartok, Rosemary Armeo, Judy Patrick, and I'm Rex Smith with gratitude to our producer, David Gustina, and to you folks for joining us once again this week on The Media Project. They used to work like hell just for romance But finally the movies notwithstanding They all got tired of patches on their pants They organized a union to get a living wage They joined with other actors upon a living stage Now newspapermen The Media Project is a production of WAMC Northeast Public Radio. Alan Shartok is CEO of WAMC, Professor Emeritus at the State University of New York, commentator, columnist, and author. Rex Smith is the former editor of the Albany Times Union. Judy Patrick is the vice president for editorial development for the New York Press Association. And Rosemary Armeo is an investigative journalist and former chair of the Department of Journalism at the University at Albany. You can listen to or podcast The Media Project anytime at wamc.org or just download the WAMC app for your iPhone or Android at the Play Store today. Thanks for listening. Ah, but publishers have worries, for publishers must go to working folks for readers and to big shots for their dough. Now publishers are such interesting people. 
It could be prostitution, I don't know. Ting-a-ling-a-ling, circulation, ting-a-ling-a-ling, advertising, get those readers, get that payoff. What a headache, what a mess. Oh, publishers are such interesting people. Let's give free cheers for freedom of the press. 